For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. And on today's Rocket Fuel podcast, we'll be discussing the Rockets 111-108 defeat at the, hand of the, at the hands of the Miami Heat. Uh, a few things from this game, of course, Tyler Hero went crazy for 10 three-pointers, 41 points, um, as he definitely helped the Heat take this win. But let's not forget the referees who have their own MVP-type game where they have some very questionable calls. Uh, basically flat-out wrong calls to end the game. It definitely helped Miami Heat take away the victory. The Rockets did have a weak second quarter where they got outworked, out-hustled, and basically got outscored 37-23 in the second quarter. So we will be discussing all this, also including Ty Ty Washington getting some early minutes in the next episode of Rockets Fuel Podcast, which is coming up next. We are here to feel the Rockets news. This is the Rockets Field Podcast presented by Clutch Fans. I am one of your hosts, LaShar Binkley. Of course, you can always find me on Twitter at Binkley Hoops, and you can find all my written work at SB Nation or The Dream Shake. And, of course, before we get too deep into last night's 111-108 loss, I want to give my co-host a chance to introduce himself. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Vader. You can find me on Twitter uh, at Vader, and you can also find me on Instagram and TikTok, same name. So, of course, uh, Vader, we have a lot to talk about in this last game. Uh, the Rockets came in with five straight home wins after a, a couple of impressive um, wins recently. Uh, but unfortunately, they went down 111-108 to the Miami Heat, who were playing without several of their starters, uh, Kyle Lowry, Bam Adebayo. Um, but, of course, they did have um, Jimmy Butler, and they had Tyler Hero, who went off for a career high against the Rockets and tied a franchise record for the Miami Heat with 10 three-pointers. Um, and the Rockets played a decent game uh, every quarter except for the second quarter. They actually was right there with Miami. Uh, the second quarter, they just got outworked, out-hustled. They got outscored 37-23 to 23 in that second quarter, something Coach Salas mentioned after the game that he was disappointed in. Um, for some reason, they forgot how to play against the zone, even though Miami was playing – Zone defense pretty much throughout the entire game, but the second quarter especially, they had trouble figuring out what to do with the zone. And, of course, Tyler Hero just kept making three after three after three. And that's the one thing I can say about Miami. When they have somebody that's hot, that's on fire, they know how to get the ball to them because they did everything they could to get the ball to Tyler Hero. He made ten threes. He made more threes than the Rockets as a team made last night. The Rockets, of course, the big story – and the, one of the main reasons they lost was some of the down the stretch. Um, 
at the very end of the game, which was obviously off of Miami, that the Rockets couldn't challenge because they had to use another challenge earlier, a couple minutes earlier, when Uzma Garuba clearly stripped the ball from Tyler Hero. Uh, Coach Salas had to use that challenge um, to get the Rockets the ball. Well, actually, to even get a jump ball, they didn't even give the Rockets the ball. They said that was a jump ball at midcourt. So in the NBA, it's a real dumb rule. You only have one challenge. You win that challenge. You don't get another challenge. Unlike the NFL, where if you win your first challenge, guess what? You get a second challenge. I think it's even like that in Major League Baseball. So for some reason, the NBA is the only league that only gives you one challenge, even if you win that challenge. And even if the referees are the reason why you have to use that challenge because they make a horrible call to begin with. So that's a dumb rule, number one. And then something that you know a lot of people may kind of overlook was the Jalen Green drive to the basket late in the game where he obviously got fouled. Um, Robinson pushed off with his right hand uh, into Jalen Green's chest, and that's why Jalen Green went down. Jalen Green usually doesn't just fall by himself. Uh, they didn't call that. They did call a foul on the offensive rebound by Uzma Garuba, which is fine. He got free throws, but guess what? He missed both free throws. Those are two critical points. And, of course, the one I mentioned earlier about um, at the end of the game where the ball obviously went off the Miami Heat. I mean, it was obvious as day, but unfortunately the NBA changed the rule to where – they have the discretion of whether they can even they will even review a call at the end of the game. And for some strange reason, they decided, I don't know if they had a plane to catch or they had some dinner plans, but they decided not to challenge that or not to go back and look at that. And then that pretty much meant the game was over because the Rockets didn't have any more challenges. So, yes, the Rockets had their chances early in the game. They kind of blew it in the second quarter, fought back, uh, played a good game after that. Uh, but for some reason... That second quarter kind of did them in, but it was pretty much Tyler Hero and the referees that did the Rockets in in the end. Um, but what was kind of your some of your thoughts on the game, Vader, um, uh, after last night's loss? Uh, I kind of made a similar comment to what you said about the referees. Uh, I think uh, we need to investigate to see if they have a FanDuel account or anything like that <laughs> because uh, I didn't understand how, you know, it was so, it was so obvious. Uh, that 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 should have been Houston Rockets basketball, but you know what? I'm not gonna be too mad about this loss. I thought they they did really well. They played they played hard, and that's that's really what I'm looking for right now. I know there has been a lot of discourse the past few days about are we winning too much, right? And uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, some people are some people are mad when we lose. Some people are mad when we win. Um, I, I'm kind of in the middle. Like I want to see us uh, play good basketball, and if we just so happen to lose in the process, I'm okay with that because. <laughs> You know, um, there are some guys at the top of this draft that are really special players, and I do want to have an opportunity to, to like, complete this rebuild. This is really our, our last year of being able to, like, probably – well, hopefully, you know, these rebuilds don't always go according to plan, but, like, I am hoping that this is the last year that we are drafting near the top of the draft, right? So I want the best odds possible to get to get a Wimby, to get a Scoot, to get an Amon Thompson or whoever else, like um, – separates themselves from the pack, you know, by the time that the draft rolls around. So, like, I, I, I wasn't too mad about the loss. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I thought that they played, you know, they played about as well as could be expected. I know Miami was missing guys, but I don't know if you followed the Heat last year. They oftentimes play really well with yeah. guys I've never heard of before. Like, I never heard of that Max Struess guy before until last year. And, like – They lit the Rockets up, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, who is this dude? But he goes out there and he's – plays pretty good defense. He took uh, Duncan Robinson's 
uh, place in rotation last year. And Duncan Robinson is a guy who was making a whole lot of money. So I trust what Miami does over there as far as uh, player development and locating talent and, and putting those guys on the floor. Eric Spolster is a, a really good coach. The defense that they deploy is uh, is is tough. It's tough to play against. Like they 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 force you to be uncomfortable, and that is the thing that you want to see out of a defense. They force you into doing things that you want, you don't necessarily want to do. They don't let you get to your first option. Sometimes they don't even let you get to your second option. So, um, you know, like in the grand scheme of things, yeah, you want to win all the games that you can. I'm never gonna really complain about a loss. I I didn't think that. Um, you know, some of the I mean, I'm never going to complain about a win and I, and I can't really complain about any of the wins that they had. I mean, honestly, after that uh, situation with Atlanta and Trey Young and DeJounte Murray, like these guys have developed a, a different kind of swagger to them. Like mm-hmm. they, they're they uh Jabari is, is going behind the broadcast crew before the game dancing. Huh. Um, you know, Jalen Green is waving goodbye. You know, that's probably going to come back to bite us in the, in the butt later at some point. But um <laughs> These guys are are like they seem like they're bonding. And like if, if you've ever uh, played a team sport or you've been involved in a team sport in some capacity as a coach or an assistant or, or whatever it may be, or just from the outside looking in, you can kind of tell when 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 guys are starting to to mesh together. And I and I think that I see um like the the beginnings of that with with this team they they seem a lot closer than they did they seem like they kind of have a better idea of what they want to see from each other on the court so i i think that the loss all in all like they played decently well and we still you know got an l which helps our draft position so for me this was almost like a best case scenario and as far as like as far as game analysis like the only analysis i have for the game is goon squad man the goon squad is is real yeah. that, that that lineup is legit with kj martin uzman garuba uh, and tari eason it's almost like anytime that they get on the basketball court they make something happen it's it, it's not pretty you know it, it's not something that you could probably draw up on a on a on a uh, whiteboard or anything like that but those guys are scrappy they're tough they're uh, they're out there. They make they make the other team work. Like if 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 these guys were on the Miami Heat, I feel like they would be like making you know a, a lot of you know making a lot of headlines because of the way that yeah. they play. They they almost play Miami Heat basketball, which is just get out there and just out tough the other team. So like Usman Garuba, like almost single handedly, you know he almost single handedly won that game yesterday without scoring points. Right. Yeah. He's, out, he's out there like locking up Tyler Hero. Like we haven't had anybody defend Tyler Hero all night. Right. And, and our, our uh, six, eight, six, nine power four center uh, goes out there and he accepts the challenge. Like he he almost was waiting for him to like slap the floor like the old school, uh, like Duke Blue Devils, because like, <laughs> like he had no fear when he went out there, LaShard. And I was yeah. like, okay, this is I like this. But I was I was a little worried because, you know, Tyler Hero was going crazy. And I was like, man, please don't get embarrassed out here. And what did he do? He stripped the ball. And yeah. that goes back to the what you were talking about earlier. We had to waste the challenge on that particular play because of Usman Garuba's outstanding defense. And it came back at the end and it, and it cost us the game because, you know, we didn't even have a chance to to maybe tie it up and send it into overtime, which uh, that was kind of unfortunate. Um, Jabari Smith, Jr., I want to touch on him too because like he's been he's not been a part of the goon squad I, I i feel like he is earning himself you know honorary goon squad member status at this point because <laughs> like that man he has grown leaps and bounds since the beginning of the year like 
the he got some really crucial rebounds in that fourth quarter. The way he's defending, the way he's like um, snatching the ball away from guys, you know, like like you you know like you too small. Like he did it to he did it to Giannis. Like, yeah. I, I, and I'm just super impressed with Jabari Smith Jr.'s uh, growth. Um, I'm super impressed with the way that he is taking on more, um, taking on more responsibility. And I, and I feel like he's taking it on himself, like to be more involved offensively. Like when he gets the rebound or whatever, he's, he's making a concerted effort to try to get to the basket. And he's not always finishing these plays, but you can kind of see um, like when he adds some strength and he gets some experience and he works with some of these development coaches, like some of these that layups that he's leaving short or that he's clanging off the backboard, you know, some of these, Things are going to be dunks in the future, so I'm I'm pretty excited about uh, Jabari's uh, development right now. Yeah, and you bringing up Jabari, that's something I was kind of pointing out yesterday. It's like, how, imagine him once he gets stronger in a couple of years. Um, I mean, we saw Jalen Green, who's already kind of showing that in his second year, uh, faster than a lot of people thought. Um, you may look at him and be like, okay, I don't see how he got much stronger, but he he has gotten stronger going to the basket. And, and imagine Jabari Smith in a couple of years, who's already figuring out that teams are going to run him off the three-point line every chance they get. So now he's actually starting to take that mid-range shot. He had a turnaround post-up move yesterday, a uh, uh, turnaround yesterday um, on the baseline. That was a beautiful shot. He had another one where he was ran off the three-point line, got to the free-throw line, uh, shot a uh, – little jumper from the free throw line made that he's starting to do that pretty much every game. So his development is pretty much accelerated at this point because a lot of people probably thought, well, maybe it'll take him another year to get there, but he's already showing improvement after just a handful of games, which is, I mean, pretty exciting considering he's only 19 years old, which is still amazing to me that a 19 year old was able to do this in the, you know, best league in the entire world. So, I mean, he's just going to continue to improve and improve and, and, one other person I kind of buried the lead on was Ty Ty Washington. Now, mm-hmm. some people may have gotten the win taken out of themselves a little bit after the game where Coach Sally said possibly the reason why he was playing was because Dacia Nix wasn't feeling well. But after that type of play and them bringing Ty Ty here in the first place when they really didn't have to, I think it's a little bit more than just Dacia Nix wasn't feeling well. I think you might have to start looking a little bit deeper because – Ty Ty Washington went out there, had five assists, zero turnovers, which was huge for the Rockets considering they didn't have a lot of assistance throughout the entire game. Um, just to kind of – and I'm not starting any controversy here, but just to look at it, Ty Ty Washington had five assists, zero turnovers. Unfortunately, Kevin Porter Jr. had four, six, six turnovers. So the Rockets had a trouble kind of getting into the offense all game long except when Ty Ty was in there. He was able to make a huge difference. I mean, he didn't score a lot of points, but – when you're a backup point guard, you don't really need your backup point guard scoring a ton of points, especially when you're having trouble getting into the offense. So that was pretty huge. It'd be really interesting to see what's going to happen this next game against Portland as far as a backup point guard. Because if they bring Dacia Nix back, and I know you personally, I don't know, you you may actually like it if they bring Nix back. I don't know. I have to ask you about that. But, <laughs> but if they bring Nix back, that's going to be a – pretty pretty big issue amongst Rockets Twitter um, because Ty Ty Washington um, eventually like Coach Tyler's kind of said beginning looked a little bit nervous which is to be expected I mean this is real first playing time but then he settled down pretty quickly was able to run the offense looked like he knew exactly what he wanted to do out on the court which is kind of half the battle which is something we kind of struggle seeing from Knicks at times um, so Ty Ty Washington had a really good first game 
I would say, because other man, he's been playing garbage time. But it's real first game experience. He had a really good game out there. And I don't think that you're stirring up any controversy. I mean, Kevin Porter almost played 36 minutes and he had five, he had five assists. I mean, and six turnovers, the stats are yeah. what the stats are. Um, Ty Ty came in and he had five assists, zero turnovers in 12 minutes. So, I mean, I'm not a math a magician or anything, but like <laughs> that seems pretty good. Like, and, and, yeah. and, and the assists that he, that he was able to accumulate weren't just, okay, this guy is open at the three point line. I'm going to kick it to him and he's yeah. going to take a 28 foot three pointer. Like there was one of those, like his first assist, I think was to Eric Gordon and Eric Gordon was kind of, uh, far away from the basket and he just kind of made a really good shot, but he created an opportunity for Tari Eason uh, with a wraparound pass after he penetrated to the basket that I don't think the other guy was doing things like that. Uh, he had a uh, drive up the baseline where he kind of hit uh, a pocket pass to Alperen Shingun and it was beautiful. So like I'm sitting there and I'm watching this and I'm like, oh my God, we we have some like legitimate point guard play, you know, happening right now. Um, you know, no, no disrespect to the other guy. Uh, he's 20 years old and he has the physical tools to excel in, in the NBA. I, I truly believe that, but he still has some growth to do. But from what, what I saw from Ty Ty, like, I think that he just is, he's just naturally a point guard. Like even when you go back and watch some of the things that he did, you know, high school at Kentucky, Kentucky, um, yeah. Ty Ty Washington has something and, and like the, the only thing that that could potentially hold Ty Ty back is um, his athleticism. But the way he plays, um, I don't I don't necessarily think that his athleticism will hold him back. He he, he kind of knows how to play with pace. He knows how to get to his spots. He, he may not explode and get to the basket and dunk on anybody, but. That floater that he hit last night, that wasn't an accident. Like if you no, even he look, works look on his, that all the time. <laughs> yeah, look at his Kentucky tape. Look at his uh look at what he did down in at, at Rio Grande. That floater is money. That is his yeah. that's probably probably his uh his most devastating and best shot, honestly. And so like I feel like he can get into the lane and he can get that at any time. He wasn't looking for his shot last night, but Ty Ty can score. Like that's one aspect of his game that we did not see on display last night. We saw the passing. We saw him kind of lock in defensively at times, uh, but he can also he can also get you some buckets too, and and he can get right. it in a variety of ways. So I, I would like to see that explored a little bit more. I, I don't necessarily uh, like I said, no disrespect to the other guy, you know, it, you know, this is his job too. But I think that Ty Ty has earned an opportunity uh, just from you know what he's done down in the in the valley, and then what he did when he got minutes last night, getting five assists in twelve minutes. Especially when you when you created a lot of those assists, they weren't just like yeah. like I said, they weren't just like those. You know, I'm gonna skip the ball around and, and get a you know get a get a complimentary assist. Like he actually was out there and he made some things happen. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited about what Ty. I hope he gets minutes next game. If he doesn't get minutes, I'm gonna be disappointed. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting because, like I said, I don't think people were expecting to hear that, well, Dacian Nixon didn't play because he didn't feel well, so that kind of opens it up a little bit to maybe he's still in the rotation. But I guess we'll see next game um, as far as that is concerned. But I also want to kind of give a shout-out to the assistant coaches because every time I practice, they always work in one-on-one with Ty Ty. Um, I know Coach Burleson down in Rio Grande worked, worked with him as well in the brief time he was down there in the 10 games he was down there with the Vipers. Um, so that's why I always kind of say when people kind of say, oh, that's the demotion going down to the Vipers. It's really not because the Vipers played the exact same type of offense, the Rockets, um, 
try to play or want to play. So it's really no issue going back and forth because they, they're playing the exact same style. So anytime a play can go down to the real grand, especially young players like Ty Ty, I mean, that's kind of that'll help them in the long run. And I think we'll see that going forward. We saw that with players last year. Um, even though Josh Christopher, that's a whole other story. It's not really in the rotation right now. But when he went down last year, he came back, he played better. Um, Kevin Porter Jr. spent time down there. He played better. KJ Martin. I mean, the list goes on and on. So we, I think we will see a a, a really good version of Ty Ty Washington going forward, especially he's able to stay in a rotation. And me being – I was one of the bigger Knicks, Knicks supporters <laughs> uh, from last year to this year, but I, even I can see that Ty Ty Washington needs to get that chance to kind of see if he can be that backup point guard um, going forward because we all know – if they don't find a backup point guard this year, they definitely going to have to find one uh, more likely in free agency because you're going to need a veteran point guard if you're going to continue to try to work with Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green in the backcourt. Um, a couple of things I'm going to talk about before we wrap up the show is talking about the uh, backcourt. Um, we already mentioned Kevin Porter Jr. did struggle with turnovers yesterday. We had a really great, probably the best offensive game out of anybody on the team, the backcourt. Um, combined for over 40 points. Um, so what did you see from the backcourt yesterday? Uh, as you mentioned earlier, Miami is one of the better defensive teams in the league. They have a system to where it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't matter who's on the court. They're going to run their system exactly the way it is. And they do that uh, as better or you know, just as good as anybody in the league when it comes to running that zone defense that most teams may play for a few minutes, but Miami will play for most of the game. And it seems like it's really effective, but, what did you see from the backcourt yesterday? And also, what's kind of your thoughts on Aper and Shingun? Because it's, he still seems like he's kind of in a purgatory state where he plays well, but then he gets in foul trouble, so makes that makes it hard to play in more minutes. And then at the end of the game, they want to bring in Garuba and Fernando for defensive purposes. So it always kind of seems like it's a hard for Shingun to get started because it's, it's other factors that are keeping him from being on the court, whether you want to say it's coaching or Shangun's own limitations. So what did you kind of see from the backcourt and Shangun as far as uh, yesterday's game, just the last few games in general? I'll start with Shangun. He, he is a guy who is, he befuddles me. And I, I don't say that word. <laughs> yes. not, that might be the first time I've ever even used that word. That's, sorry. that's a good word. Yeah. <laughs> um, like I watch some games and I'm thinking that this is our center of the future unquestionably. And I think that, uh, like, what are the, what is the coaching staff doing? Like benching this guy, you know, in crucial yeah. situations. And what, you know, why aren't they running the offense through him more, even more than they are? And then I have, then he has games like he had yesterday, and I'm just like, man. And then I, I then I have to remind myself he's also 20 years old, so <laughs> yeah. he is still he's still developing as a player. As good as he shows himself to be at times, he is not consistent. Um, and the thing is, is, it almost makes you wonder, is he not consistent? Because he, he's pretty fundamentally sound. But the things that you question about him aren't, you know, basketball IQ things. You question, OK, is he going to be able to overcome his physical limitations at that position in order to, you know, truly establish himself as a as a guy who can maybe be a 20 and 10 big man in the NBA? I think he has the talent to do it. I mean, he can score pretty much, you know, you know under the basket he probably has one of the best low post games in the whole entire league um mm -hmm. he's he's tough he can pass and he's he's a smart player but you can't 
you can't teach athleticism. And then he grabs rebounds and he goes coast to coast and he dunks on guys and you're like, oh, where'd that come from? So it's, <laughs> yeah, that's he is he is a guy who is just a conundrum and and I just don't I don't really know what to think about apparition going right now. Like I want to believe that he is like I said, I want to believe that he is he is him. I want to believe that he is that that guy that we can build a, a team around. Like he's one of the core pieces, but. There are so many things that like like that position, for example, like you want a guy at that position who who is pretty athletic. Right. You want a guy who can defend the basket. You want a guy who's going to be the last line of defense. And even though his blocks and steals numbers uh, typically are, are pretty decent, you don't never really feel like he is a, a deterrent at the rim. Right. You don't really feel like he is like guys fear him. Like no, nobody is like, oh, man, we can't get to the basket tonight because Alperen Shingun is down there. So I think that is one thing that is going to always be a hindrance for him uh, and a coaching staff because you, you know, you can draft a guy or you can bring a guy in. You can draft a guy late, late in the uh, first round who can be a, a 6'10 to 7 foot, you know, guy who can really get up and block shots and be a vertical threat and, and, and just run the floor and, and, and rebound and do all those little things. You see how, how good it looks at times when, when a Bruno Fernando comes in the game. And I wouldn't yeah. even say and, – and, and Bruno Fernando is probably on the lower end of what I'm talking about. So, like, if you see that it looks pretty good with a Bruno Fernando, you sometimes have to wonder, man, how would this look with a guy who is, who is uh, from that same archetype but better? And I, I don't know, man. Like, Shingun – is one of the one of the guys that I'm really rooting for, but I, I see a, I see an avenue where he's part of this team in five years, and I also see an avenue where they they package him in a trade and bring back some assets, you know, because yeah. they clearly at times would prefer to play a different kind of style of basketball than the style that they that they have to or try to play when he is on the floor, and that's kind of my take on Alperen Shingun. I think um, he's he's so talented that I, I, I want to I want to believe in it, but at the same time, like when I'm watching when I'm watching the game, it just makes me it just makes me wonder, you know, do yeah. they do they want a guy like him at that position? Or would they just rather have a guy who just goes out there and plays like Uzman Garuba, but but it's better than him. Cause yeah. just imagine having a, a 611 <clears throat> Uzman Garuba type of dude out there, right? And, and who can also finish at the basket. That is, you know, you know I love Uzman. Usman is, yeah. is like I've been like uh, one of his biggest cheerleaders before the season even started, like when people were trying to send that man to China. Uh, but he <laughs> is limited offensively. So if you got a guy out there at the, at the center position who is defending like Usman Garuba, who is who is, um, you know, blocking shots at the basket and who is also a threat to score on, you know, on a pick and roll. You know that might be all that this team needs when you when as it's constructed right now and the way that they seem like they want to play under Coach Silas's system. So, anyways, and then as far as like uh, Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr., like I think they've they've struggled with zone defenses even going back to last season. So yeah. that's just something that they need to iron out in practice. Uh, you can't replicate what the Miami Heat do. So you know it's good that they have some film on that because you know we we can go out and throw a, a dummy defense out in practice and try to do what Miami does. But until you actually experience it, you don't really know what to expect. You can watch it on film, but until you actually feel those guys bumping you and, and, you know, like they, they're, they're really crafty. There were some, there were some drafts to the basket yesterday where I saw Kevin Porter jr. 
and, and Jalen Green getting bumped by like Jimmy Butler and some other guys. And the refs weren't calling it because they know how to foul you. They know how to foul yeah. you without it looking like a foul. Like these are little well, they, things. They do it so much that the refs at some point just say, ah, <laughs> that's just yeah. Miami. <laughs> yeah, it's like going back to like, you know, like when we used to watch uh, like the New York Knicks back when, oh, yes. um, when Pat yes. Riley and, and Van Gundy <laughs> were like the coaches there. And, you know, they would just beat you up. They'd beat you up all night and beat you into submission. So um, Jalen Green needs to improve his his the difficult the difficulty level of the shots that this man is taking. I think sometimes it's a little yeah. bit, you know, he takes a shot that is probably like a, a ten degree out of ten of difficulty when he could probably get you know something a little bit easier. And I understand, like I'm okay, I'm kind of okay with him exploring you know the the true the true measure of his powers right now because there were so many games last year where we felt like he was being uh, passive. And he wasn't shooting yeah. enough. So I, I'm not going to complain, sit up here and say, man, he needs to dial it back a little bit. But I think ultimately, once he figures out, you know, what's a good shot and, and, and what's uh, I can I can pass it and then get it back and get a better shot. I think he's going to his efficiency is going to skyrocket. And then, you know, Kevin Porter Jr. has always been a guy who is playing point guard, but he is not a typical, you know, point guard he is not a traditional yeah. point guard you know Ty Ty Washington is probably more in that mold so you got to take the good with the bad with, with with KPJ he did a lot of good things yesterday I feel like as a fan base we focus so much on the things that he can't do when we don't really give him props for the things that he excels at right so I think you know ultimately the the decision may have to be made you know is he really up uh, the point guard of the future of this team. Not, and, and that doesn't have anything to do with, you know, whether or not he's a starter on the team or whether or not he's going to be a six man or anything like that. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. But like, if you bring a guy like, um, if you're fortunate enough to draft a guy like Amon Thompson, for example, who is six, seven, probably still growing, you know, he's a, he's a, he has amazing court vision. Then the Kevin Porter Jr. experiment doesn't look so bad. Like you've pre you've prepared this man to be probably the most devastating, you know, secondary playmaker in the league, right? Oh, because yeah. you can play Amon Thompson at the small forward, you know, defensively, um, and then offensively. Obviously, he'd be the primary ball handler, and then you still have Kevin Porter Jr. out there, who you know he he is really great, you know, on the catch. He's really great off the ball. But then when he does get the ball in his hands and he he's shown that he can play make, I mean, he's had double digits assist games. So like I like Kevin Porter Jr. as a player. It's just the fact that, you know, he he's playing a position that's not natural to him. And unfortunately, I think, you know, we beat up on him a lot because he does have some deficiencies there. But he he also does a lot of really good things. And I, and I, I think that his competitiveness this year, his ability to like stay in the game and lock in like his defensive uh his defensive awareness, you know, not last night, but like some of the previous games that we played, like he really defended really well. If you go back and watch, so um, I don't know, man. There, it's it's a it's a work in progress, and I guess we'll just have to see where it, where it goes. But when we add another piece to this, maybe it maybe it all make more sense, you know, after we figure out who's gonna be running with these guys next year. Yeah, like you said, it's it's all about figuring out what they want to do going forward. And I think after the All-Star break, we'll have a better idea of what the Rockets are going to need to do because we'll know what their record is. I mean, because usually after the All-Star break, if you're one of the worst teams, you're going to stay one of the worst teams pretty much for the rest of the year, especially if you're at the bottom of the of rankings. And then we can really start to kind of dig into 
draft positions and who should they get next year? And you you, me- you mentioned the uh, one of the Thompson twins, and then you have Anthony Black, who's another uh, six seven, six eight point guard uh, out of Arkansas, who's who's another. Um, I was talking to Mark uh, Schindler, uh, Schindler uh, last week, who really covers a lot of the draft, and he was saying like Anthony Black may rise up the draft. So this draft is going to be huge, even beyond the first two players. Um, you're going to have a lot of good players that you're going to be able to bring in um not just at the forward position but also at the guard position so we will we will know at by the end of this year whether kevin porter jr is going to be the the point guard of the future because you're mm-hmm. going to have free agency and you're going to have the draft to kind of choose whether you want to keep kevin porter jr at that point guard position and let me ask you this though like i was saying before though if you put a guy as small forward because he has small forward size, but he's actually the, you know, the primary playmaker, you know, on the yeah. offensive end, you have Jalen green and you have KPJ off ball. Think yeah. about that. Like this, like you have a, a guy like Anthony black or Amon Thompson who, who are running the offense, you know, like Scotty Pippen style, you know, from, from, from the small forward position. And then you yeah. have a guy like Jalen green and you have a guy like Kevin Porter jr. Off the ball who on the catch are just going to be able to just like destroy a defense because the defense is already probably going to be warped from whatever, you know, that, that guy did. And I just see like, you know, like I don't want to throw Kevin Porter Jr. away. I think, (laughs) you know, it's almost like after every game he gets, he gets really nitpicked and, and, and stuff like that. And I just understand that that's not his natural position. And I think like if he was actually playing shooting guard, and he was and, and he was just a secondary playmaker. I think that the uh, fan base's uh, opinion of him would be a lot a lot different because yeah. like right now he's getting you know he's the he he's getting primary on ball reps right now. He he's the guy who's setting up the offense and he's trying to learn how to do this all at the same time. Uh, you know of, of you know figuring out you know how to score, how to set his teammates up. You know when is the best time for me to get mine, and when is the best time for me to pass? You know th- those are just not things that are that come naturally to him. Even though he is a good passer, um, mm-hmm. I'd like to see them experiment with some Tata Washington uh, three guard lineup minutes, just to kind of see how it looks. You know, uh, you know, not a lot of minutes, but you know, have Tata out there and have him out there with 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 Jalen and Kevin, and just kind of see you know what happens with that. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> real quickly, I mean Tata Washington, like you mentioned earlier at Kentucky. Played a lot of shooting guard just because they already had a a veteran backcourt already, and they already had guys playing point guard. Um, but the couple of times he was able to play point guard full time for Kentucky, he actually set a school record or tied a school record uh, with John Wall um, when he did have a chance to play point guard. And I think that if he had a chance to play point guard the entire time when he was there, I don't think he would have got drafted uh, at twenty seven. He would have been much higher in the draft. Um, but yeah, they definitely need to give Ty Ty some time and. I'm I'm the biggest Kevin Porter Jr. guy out there, but even I recognize that maybe eventually he doesn't play point guard. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, even at a this is a smaller scale, but even a James Harden um, kind of took a backseat as a point guard when they brought Chris Paul over. Um, and James Harden was setting was uh, leading the league in assists almost every single year. So sometimes the the personnel dictates what you do with your current personnel. So if you go out there and you get a better point guard in free agency next year or you get a a um anthony black or somebody like that or scoot henderson then it's going to kind of dictate exactly what you're going to need to do next year the same thing with Alperin shangun if they get Wimbyama, i mean 
Shangun's gonna Shangun's gonna go to the bench. I mean, it's that simple. So sometimes it has nothing to do with the actual player. Sometimes it's just better players for that particular position. So I'm fine letting the season play out, see exactly what's gonna happen because we all know they're not trading Kevin Bourne Jr. this year. They're not moving him to anything but point guard. So I know people want him off the point guard position, but it's not happening this year. So they can kind of save their energy for other things because Kevin Porter Jr. is going to be the point guard this entire year, and the Rockets going to see exactly what they have in him. And if he excels, then I don't think they have a problem. I don't think the Rockets have a problem moving forward with Kevin Porter Jr. at point guard if that's if he plays well and he does exactly what they want him to do at the point guard position. Um, but they also don't have a problem finding somebody that may play the position better and moving Kevin Either way, Kevin Porter Jr. is going to have a role on this team, whether it's six-man or whether it's small forward or whether it's point guard. He's going to have a role on this team. It just kind of depends on what that role is going to be going forward, and we'll kind of see that play out as the season goes on and um, as we get closer to the draft because that's going to be a, a definitely a huge thing, as you mentioned. This is really the last year that they're going to have their draft pick for a while, so – What's your opinion on the uh, winning situation? I, I don't think I asked you. How do you feel about yeah. um, the, the tanking versus winning argument? So, so my whole thing is, like like you, I don't have – Rockets win games, I'll never have a problem with the winning games. Even if they win 10 games in a row, I won't have a problem with that. Because um, at the end of the day, these players – and I don't know if I have a different perspective because I see these players at practice. You see the coaches. You see how hard they work. You know they're not going to tank. So – the word tank to me is always kind of just ridiculous anyway because players are not going to go out there to to lose games. They're not going to go out there so that next year a draft pick can take their spot. Coaches aren't going to tank games just so that another coach can come in and take <laughs> take the take their squad and actually win a championship a la Steve Kerr. So the whole tanking thing to me is just kind of a mute point because these players and coaches aren't going to lose on purpose. Now, if they're just not good enough to win, I'm fine with that. I'm fine if they, they're not good enough to win. They have a bottom three position in the draft. That's fine. But for people to actually think that they're going to lose games on purpose, that to me, that's kind of just crazy to me. I'll never be mad for them winning games, maybe because I'm I'm more old school and I've, I've watched a lot of bad basketball in my time. I mean, Steve Francis days, the post-Akeem Olajuwon days, and – I personally don't like watching a bunch of losing basketball just to get a draft, a possibility at a draft pick. Maybe if, it's, if this was the NFL, I'll be like, okay, it makes a little bit more sense because you're guaranteed a spot. But in NBA, I mean, with the lottery odds flattened out now, it, to me, purposely losing games is just being insane. And for fans to want them to purposely lose games and be mad when they win games, that's that's the point that gets me. If you want them, to, if you want them to lose games. And because they just not good enough, I have no problem with that. But to be mad when they win games, that's just a, a, a concept I'll never get behind because it makes no sense to me. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you on that sense. Um, I think right now I don't care when we get down to the end of the season. And if we're like, you know, if we're in a situation where we're really close to let's I'm just throw out Orlando and Detroit mm. and um we have an opportunity to lock up, you know, the odds where we are guaranteed, you know, the best odds at the first pick or something like that. And, and we're just out there trying to win. Like, and, and to me at that point, you know, and if it's like five games left in the season and we're going out and we're like actively like, you know, like let's just say Eric Gordon is still here, God forbid, 
no no disrespect <laughs> to, to Eric Gordon. <laughs> Let's just say we we go out there with with the Eric Gordon lineup. Eric Gordon drops like forty points, and we win a game. That is probably one of the only scenarios where I will be yeah. kind of a little bit perturbed by them by them winning. Yeah. Uh, but right now, you're right. Right now, I want to see the development. I want to see can we compete. Um, I want to see you know if we do go into a game and the other team does not have their best players. Are we good enough to to beat those teams? <laughs> because yeah. there were times last year where we played teams who were who were be, who were banged up. Hell, we done it this year. We played teams that weren't that weren't full strength, like the Spurs and <laughs> the Heat last night, and we lost. You know, yeah. we lost. So um, I can't quantify or like like detract from a win in the NBA because we've seen them go out there and lose to teams with 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 no talent. I don't want to say no talent, but with lesser talent and they yeah. don't have their best players. So I'm going to take every win in stride right now and, and I'm going to enjoy them. Like I was, I was not expecting them the way they started the season. I wasn't expecting them to actually be competitive right now. It, it looked yeah. really bad. Uh, they I kind of felt a little disappointed because I thought some of the things that we saw in summer league defensively uh, with the addition of Tari and Jabari were, was going to translate. And now we're starting to see it. So I, I want to ride the wave a little bit. And then, you know, maybe towards the end of the season, maybe I might be one of those annoying fans who's like, man, we need to lose these games. But right right now, like, I want to win as many games as we can. Yeah, and I think, honestly, towards the end of the season, that's more front office is going to jump into it. And they may say, well, hey, we need to sit so-and-so. I don't know that personally. I don't know if they do that. But we do, do, we, I, we do. We do. We do. I'm going to tell you why. You, do you remember back that time when when Jeff Van Gundy won that game uh, a long time ago, and it was um, it was a meaningless game towards the end of the season. And if we would have lost that game, the Rockets would have se- secured a better draft position. And that was the draft yeah. where we ended. We were we wanted Brandon Roy, and yeah. we ended up uh, getting Rudy Gay, who we traded for Shane Battier. But had we lost that game, it was the last game of the season. We would have ended up with Brandon Roy, and you could have put Brandon Roy, who was you know. He was a superstar level player before the injuries kicked in, uh, and we we could have put him with with Tracy McGrady and Yao Ming. And instead, we got you know we got the no stats all star. You know Shane Battier, Daryl Moore's awesome favorite, the Rockets, but he's he, he's not Brandon Roy, right? So that yeah. still haunts me. That still traumatizes me because I'm like, man, we won that one game on the last game of the season, and we went all out to win it, and and we did not need to, and it cost yeah. us potentially an opportunity. You know, yeah. Yeah, I guess it's just more of uh, people getting mad about a one game in December. Um, <laughs> to yeah, where, these no movement. These December games, I'm not worried about these games. But yeah. like, you know. to, to where it's like, you know, and you know, I'm not even – sometimes people kind of over-exaggerate the um, outrage on Twitter because they see one person saying something. No, this right. is literally like multiple people getting upset that the Rockets won this game and having whole think pieces on it right. to where it was just kind of just insane to me. But, yeah, towards the end of the year, and we saw that last year, Christian Wood probably could have played. They sure. set him for most of the year. Same thing with Eric Gordon. I mean, Eric Gordon set pretty much the entire second half of the season, and he was, he was probably healthy. So, I mean, I don't think it's going to be a problem to where the Rockets are going to be playing um, – Eric Gordon and they're going to be playing. Uh, heck, they don't even have any other veterans. We don't have any other vets. I was thinking about so, that too. That's why I can't be mad if we win. Like yeah. we, are, we are winning games with like kids who were in high school, you know, three yeah. years ago. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, 
at the end of the day, if Jabari Smith and Jalen Green are out there putting up career nights and they're winning games, I can never be mad at that because that's exactly what you want you want to see going forward. And also, like I said, these coaches have jobs they're trying to keep. And we always just think about the coaches. You got to think about the training staff. You got to think about the, the, the film coordinators. You got to think about even the people that run the media account. All these people can lose their jobs if you're if you're going out there and you're having a bad season. I don't think people think about that a lot of time. It may not be a big deal to some people, but at the end of the day, these people have jobs. They're trying to keep these jobs. And, you know, all these losses go on Coach Silas's record. So at the end of the day, if they ever think that Coach Silas is purposely trying to lose games, to me, that's just insane. Nobody's ever going to convince me that players and coaches are purposely trying to lose games because all these players and coaches know outside of Jalen Green and maybe Jabari Smith that they know they can they can be replaced. I mean, NBA is a business at the end of the day. Everybody likes these players and coaches. But end of the day, um, Rafael Stone and Tillman Fertitta, I mean, especially Tim Fertitta, he's a business guy. He wants eventually he wants to see some progress on the court. He wants to be able to make money from this. So if they continue to lose, these players are going to lose their jobs. And that's why I'll never think they're going to purposely tank game. Now, if they organically tank, that's fine. <laughs> but that's a whole different story. Um, that's going to wrap it up for today's show. We're probably going to – we may do a show before – um, the Christmas weekend coming up uh, on Friday. If we don't do one Friday, I want to say happy holidays to everybody and Merry Christmas if you celebrate Christmas or happy Kwanzaa, whatever you celebrate. We want to say um, we appreciate everybody that jumps on every week. I want to thank you, Vader, as usual, for jumping on the show. I appreciate it. All right, Lashard, I appreciate you for having me tonight and uh, y'all take care. Uh, definitely. We appreciate everybody that joins us every single week that jumps on Spotify apple uh checks out our youtube page our youtube videos we appreciate everybody's support we appreciate the five star any comments good or bad we always uh pay attention to those so we thank you for those as well so make sure you check us out for our next episode of the rocket fuel podcast presented by clutch fans for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.